Tyler. Oh, hi. So we got a couple uh, quick news articles here. All right, hit me. So that uh, Dexter Revival? Yep. We got a date. Ooh. November 7th. Nice. So not marking too- it off in the calendar. Yeah, it's not too far away. That'll be good. We also got uh, the Exorcist franchise uh, selling to Universal for not a small amount. $400 million. Damn. So, and it, just real quick in this article, they're saying they're going to try to get the original cast back for it and maybe kind of do what the Halloween movies are doing. So, ah, so a reinvention, but with OGs. Yeah. That'd so, be cool. Yeah. And then it looks like Netflix picks up Will Smith's movie from the John Wick and Atomic Blonde people, which that seems like a winning combo. Yeah. So, yeah. As long as it's nothing like Gemini, man. Oh, God. Oh, God. Let's just wash that one from our brain. Hmm. You know that uh, Hawkeye series? Yeah. Coming out November 24th. Beautiful. Mark another one in the calendar. Exactly. And then we got an Apple TV Plus casting. Sebastian Stan joins Julianne Moore in the original A24 thriller Sharper. Hmm. Which those Apple TV shows are decent. I will check that out. Yeah. They've really been surprising me with a lot of their OG content there. Yes, I now have like a full list on my NAS of Apple TV shows that I am excitedly waiting to check out. Mm-hmm. And then speaking about other good shows, Snowpiercer got a season four greenlit ahead of season three premiere. That has me excited because that show definitely took me off guard. Yes, me too. And how good it turned out to be. Yes, me too. Like when you originally talked about it, I was like, okay, that's, that's kind of cool. And then I watched it and I was like, this is like surprisingly really good. Yeah. So it's, yeah. E- even more surprising. Normally Netflix cancels things after three seasons. So, well, this is weird because it's not owned by Netflix. Oh, it's see, like, I only watch it on Netflix. So that's a, or I saw oh, TNT. Yes. Learn something new every day. So it's like Riverdale where it's like technically the CW owns it, but it's a Netflix original because it airs day and date on Netflix. So they get the Netflix original title. So it's one of those like, it's technically Netflix original, but technically not. Yeah, gotcha. Then remember how Paramount Plus was going to make a Criminal Minds revival? Yeah. Apparently they're not anymore. I can't say that I'm surprised or disappointed, to be honest. No, but it's... Also kind of surprising because that show was actually pretty big. So that maybe seemed like a no-brainer, but... Eh. Eh. Win some, you lose some. Yeah. I think that's it for kind of our quicker ones. All right. Well, then let's uh, let's get right into the important stuff. Yeah. So Bloomhouse TV is going to make a Vince McMahon scripted series. Interesting. Which... I find this one weird because, like, let's just say Vince McMahon and the WWE has had lots of controversy over the years about how maybe that isn't the greatest company, mm-hmm. he isn't the greatest person, but how the WWE does their rights is the show will definitely not make any of that look like they are nothing but good. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty right? much, yeah. So, like, that's 
I don't know, like this is weird. Like we probably grew up in the area era of like when wrestling was big. Like you probably watched it when you were a kid. Oh, right? for sure. You know, so it's like, do I watch it nowadays? No. But like the history of it is also fascinating. Yeah. And especially just because of how like strict they are with their rights. You know, so it's like I look at this and it's like they're saying we have a dramatic and riveting Sega that's crazier than fiction. It's like this just seems like it's going to stroke Vince McMahon's ego for eight episodes. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's exactly how that's going to play out, too. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's interesting stuff to his story and building that brand, but I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I'll have to wait and see some trailers. I'm genuinely curious, but yeah, like, you know, like if it's being done in partnership with the WWE, that it's going to be incredibly biased. Yeah. Which is like, I think if I want like a WWE, like dramatization kind of TV show, I want someone that isn't afraid to like, yeah, like go, which like if anyone ever did that, WWE would sue the shit out of them. Mm -hmm. But like, that's what I would want is someone to just like, go through the good parts but also the like really shitty parts yeah so so yeah i don't really know that i have much more to say about this one but no me neither what was exciting though is i don't know if you saw a while back a youtuber posted a deep fake to tweak luke skywalker and the mandalorian yep. and he did such a good job that Lucasfilm actually offered him a job. Yeah. Yeah, this is this is cool as hell. And apparently this guy has done it with a few movies too. Like apparently he cleaned up um other like movies that have done this as well and apparently like made them look better. Yeah, which is crazy. But it's all like to me like the biggest like story out of all this is like this is the type of behavior that should be happening. Yeah. Like by all accounts Disney could have saw these videos posted on YouTube, filed a massive lawsuit and been like, copyright you, take it down. Yeah. yeah. But instead they're like, Hey, this dude's got some fucking talent. Let's nurture that. And let's fucking bring him into the fold and get him to like, you know, help work his magic or us. us. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I mean, yeah, this is, this is one of those cool stories that like you don't hear a whole lot. Like you hear it in video games sometimes too, where it's like, hey, the company actually hired these modders because they made such a good job that we just want them to work on our games. Yeah. You know, but like, I think you're right. Like instead of like copyright striking and like suing this dude into the ground, like go, hey, he's actually doing better VFX than us. So maybe we should just hire him and give him money. So mm -hmm. yeah, a real feel good story of the day for sure yeah which like it's it's crazy how good that shit is getting yeah it's, like it's, it's scary i don't know if you've ever seen the <clears throat> tom cruise TikTok. yes yes it is that's impressive it is insane and i just saw i don't think it's the, i think it's a different guy but i just saw someone recently fired up a new tiktok account basically doing the same thing but with uh Vladimir Putin. Oh, really? Yeah, and it's like, fuck, that's pretty good too. I saw one that was like, you could like, it's you could tell because it's like one of the weird fuck, uh, fucking ones. But it was, um, oh, uh, pretty woman, uh, Julie, 
Oh, what's her name? Julia Roberts. Julia Roberts. They deep faked William Defoe's face onto Julia Roberts in Pretty Girl and oh, made like God. a two and a half minute compilation. And it is fucking hilarious because it is just like William Defoe laughing like a girl. <laughs> it's you should try to find it. It's fucking hilarious. I'll make sure I look that up after. Because it's like it's one of those things that you just look at it and it's like that's the dumb deep fakes that I love. It's just like I'm gonna put William Defoe on fucking Julia Roberts. Mm-hmm. But it's also like terrifying how fucking surprisingly accurate that shit is getting. Yeah. Well, like even like in the early days of this, the one where they put Steve Buscemi's face over Superman. Right. Right. Was yeah. was like obviously fake, but it was like that's pretty fucking good, and that yeah. was in the early days of all this. So yeah. Yeah, it's getting. It, we're gonna start getting into weird territories where studios are gonna deep fake dead people and bring them back. We're gonna start getting into weird rights issues like that. I bet. I, you know, I don't know because a lot of people thought that like after the Tupac hologram at Coachella, right, right? Which I happened to have been at that Coachella and saw it, and it was pretty fucking impressive. Mm-hmm. But then a lot of people were like, "Oh, great! So now these musicians who like still have their libraries owned by big corporate companies." We're going to start seeing fucking holograms pop up, but you never really did. No. And like, I wonder if that's because like no one has decided to like cross that like moral line mm-hmm. and like fully commit to like, okay, we're just going to milk this cow and we're just going to cross that line of using dead people. <laughs> well, I, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, in years to come, it's worked into contracts for artists and actors and actresses where it's like, hey, like you're you, but the likeness of the character you're playing we own so therefore if you decide that you're done playing this character we still legally own that image even though like that's you wearing a fucking superhero costume we own the likeness and image and therefore if we want to digitally add your face as you know superwoman into a later film yeah we're well within the rights to do that yeah yeah it's gonna get weird because then it also, like, you look at things, like, creatively, do you even want to use that stuff? You know, like, think about, like, Chadwick Boseman for Black Panther. Mm-hmm. You know, if they had the opportunity to do that, like, would they? Would you even want to? I don't know. I feel like in a scenario like that, that's that's too like, morally it's, repugnant it's to do. It's too much, right? You know? But if you had a situation where, like, they still wanted scarlett johansson is black widow and she's like i'm just done with the dieting and the workout regiment and i want to focus on like more in-depth character based indie films and they were like well we still want black widow then i could see them pulling shit like that and to me that i think would be even weirder because they're still alive Mm -hmm. so at that point you don't even need actors Mm -hmm. so i think it's going to get real weird with this shit yeah it's it for sure it's going to be unique just because it's because of how good it's looking and especially with like like this guy talks about like machine learning and ai also helping with like also like physical kind of touch-ups like Mm -hmm. yeah i like some of it is cool as shit but some of it is also like that scary dystopian future that's just like huh weird yeah for sure so so yeah but this is all in all cool yeah Good for that dude, for sure. Yeah, and then speaking about Disney and uh, maybe some not-so-nice stuff, Scarlett Johansson is filing a lawsuit saying she did not get 
like box office profits because they day and dated it. So she got substantially less. Did they? They didn't actually day and date it though, did they? Yeah, they did. Really? Because I saw it was playing in the theater here locally for about a week before I saw it was available on Disney Plus. Because I debated going and see it in theaters and kind of held off. And then the weekend after, we were actually going to go see it in theaters. And then I was like, oh, it's on the streaming service. I don't even have to actually go to the theater now. Right. So I wonder if it was just day and dated in select countries, but I'm, I'm pretty damn fucking positive that in some areas it was like, at least here in Canada, like I know I saw it. It was listed at the local Cineplex before I saw it was on Disney plus to rent. Yeah. But either which way, like, I mean, it's interesting because I know there's lots of people that have been like boned with Mm kind of like VOD releases and stuff like that, but they're not like big actors or actresses who kind of have that like clout. Yeah. Whereas like Scarlett Johansson is like at the top with like, you know, a bunch of other A-listers and she's got the money to back her. So like she's well in a position to actually do this. And if Disney decides to cut ties with her and like fight this in court, she doesn't need to keep working for Disney, right? Like she's yep. going to keep being an actress for years yep. and years and years to come. This isn't going to affect her career at all, but you got to think about all the littler guys who it's like, Oh, this is like, you know, the only place I've ever worked for. And I'm still kind of breaking onto the scene. I can't yep. afford this. And even if I could afford it, I can't lose that relationship because then I might lose my career. Yeah. And they're even saying in here that like, Apparently, Disney just made no attempt to redo the deal when they said we're day and dating it. They're just like, hey, we're going to day and date this, and too bad. Well, it definitely seems like a bit of a scuzzy fucking move. Like, if it's worked into her contract that she gets a percentage of the box office... Then she should probably get a percentage of the points of the rental if you're day and dating it. 100%, yeah. Especially because Disney absolutely makes way more money on the rental than they do a box office ticket, because with the rental, they don't cut anyone in on that. Yeah, it's all them. You know, box office ticket is like you got marketing coming out of that. You got theaters coming out of that. You got distributors coming out of that. So it's like at the end of the day, you're only getting, you know, Disney's maybe getting 50% of that, mm-hmm. you know, versus a rental that they're charging more for. You know, they're getting all of that. So to cut them in on like points on that seems like a no brainer to just appease your actors. Well, the other thing is like this just kind of seems like a bit of a boneheaded move because like it's one thing if they were to throw it on their streaming service and then you could tie that up in court all day and be like, well, this is how many subscribers we average like new subscribers every month. So like, how do we really know which one subscribed for Black Widow? But like this one's cut and dry because you are you need a Disney Plus subscription, but then you need to pay the additional $30 on it. So like a few fucking subpoenas of records and you can legitimately find out how many people paid the $30 for that rental. Yep. So like, that's like a, a pretty cut and dry fucking instance in, in this case. Yeah. And there's a lot of other shit to this too. Like I know Kevin Feige came out and basically said like Disney needs to like fix this, you know? And it's like, if you have that guy coming out being like, yo, don't treat my people like that. Like mm-hmm. maybe listen to the guy that built that universe. <laughs> you and, know, and you got to think too, like the lawyers and the financial people like at Disney, like I would be hard pressed to believe for a second that they're just dumb yeah. and didn't think about this. Mm-hmm. 
like a, a decision to like very quickly throw this on Disney Plus as a thirty dollar rental. Yeah, like really, really, like almost immediately following its theatrical release, like you know for a fact that these guys sat down, did the calculations, and went, "All right, there's a very real possibility that she's going to try and sue for some of this money." Oh yeah. So like we need to like factor that in. Yeah, like if we're going to make a hundred million off this and then settle for her like five percent or ten percent of the profits, we're still going to make more than if we didn't do this. Like you know, there was calculations that went into play, and they. They did this knowing full well that there was a real chance that she was going to get fucking, she was suing them. Oh, for sure. And then there's also like a bunch of mess around like, so CAA, so her reps basically slapped back at Disney being like, in addition to this, you also didn't need to release her pay in a press release. Ooh. And basically gave away what her running quote is yeah. in a press release when Disney was like, yeah, there's no basis for this. Like, this is what you got paid. And it's just, so like, it seems like it's getting real messy, especially with like, yeah. Like when you have Kevin Feige, the guy that structures these deals come out and be like, you you should fix this. Like, it's like when they pull shit like this, you got to think people maybe looking or in negotiations to be in the Marvel universe are probably going to take a pause right now and see how this plays out. Right. Yeah, well, and instead of, like, sitting down and doing this behind closed doors and civilly, where everything could have been, like, you know, yeah. kept kept under the blanket of secrecy, that gives them more power going forward with future Marvel movies when they cast people to work out negotiations. But with this all in the public eye, anyone who decides to sign up for a Marvel movie, they're going to look back and be like, oh, remember when they got boned? Okay, write it into my contract yeah. that I'm getting a high cut of the yep. Disney Plus revenues, too, right? Like, I feel like in the long run... This is just Disney just kind of shot themselves in the foot with this. And yeah. it really just goes to show just exactly like how big of a disparaging gap there is in the thought process between the yeah. creatives and the fucking business side of things. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like Which is like, I, I, like, I'm just going to like take a step back and reference Mythic Quest, Apple TV's Mythic Quest. Right. But like, I think they do a good job in showing that because they have all these characters and they have Ion like the main character and he's the creative, but then they always have this, the guy who Danny Pudi who played in community. Yeah, yeah. He's the business end of it. So like throughout all various episodes and stuff, they're like, well, I want to do this. And he's like, okay, well we can do that, but I want to do this, this and this first. Cause I want to make money off of it. And they kind of show how the creatives and the business don't see eye to eye because the business guys just are concerned about profits and stakeholders yep. and all that other shit. Whereas the creatives are like, no, this is for the people and this is for the betterment of the game or in this case, a movie. Yeah. Yeah. It, it definitely brings to light, like just how both sides just have completely different viewpoints, right. Mm-hmm. That can never seem to meet in the middle. Right. And it's like, I wonder if maybe her and her team tried to like, quietly handle this internally and maybe disney just said get fucked you know and yeah, then they were I, like all right we'll have fun because we're gonna do some stuff yeah you know well and it seems like this has just kind of started a trend because disney's also just getting a lawsuit filed against them from emma stone who's basically saying the same thing in terms of the cruella release yeah. of cruella so she's also now suing for loss of compensation yeah, and I don't know if that's been filed or not, or if that's like 
or she's about to file yeah. or yeah and maybe like it's just like now that this is kind of in the public she's like okay i'm not the only one who got fucked and someone else has taken the step to do it i'm gonna pile in on this because hey this happened to everyone so i should get in on this i could see that yeah, I guess to clarify, Emma Stone hasn't officially filed a lawsuit, but it's in heavy consideration that she's going to do the same thing. Which makes sense. Based on Cruella. That makes sense. If you see someone else, especially with the same platform, be like, oh, okay, they actually had the same thing happen, then it makes sense to, to do that. And also, this one is unrelated to Disney, but Gerald Butler is also filing a lawsuit for profits on Olympus Has Fallen. Mm-hmm. But this one is actually just like, this one's actually even more greasy because the producers just understated domestic and foreign box office receipts by tens of millions and failed to report 8 million that went to its own executives. So this one just seems like it was a greasy business move where they just straight up fucked him out of profits. Like there was no, like, if he profit deals, it was just like, yo, we just budged the numbers so we didn't get money. Yeah, which domestic receipts were understated by 17.5 million. Yeah. And the producers' receipts were understated by 12 million, including 8 million that strictly went to executives. Yeah. Like this is straight up in the like, this is straight up broad territory. Yeah. That's, (laughs) that's a big deal right there. But yeah, I mean, like when we first talked about like when WB was, doing all of its day and date stuff. Like I remember us talking about this. So like, they're going to have to restructure a lot of these deals because Mm -hmm. it is very commonplace now to get cuts of the box office, you know, as your large check. Right. So it's like, and maybe like maybe WB, I mean, did that. I mean, you didn't have Gal Gadot come out and say like, Hey, I got fucked out of a paycheck, you know, that we know of, but I mean, yeah. behind closed doors, she could have went to them and been like, hey, this ain't right. And to avoid a public lawsuit, they went, okay, we'll cut you in. Yeah. But I, I got to think that a lot of these, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of the fucking money men behind these movies decided they were going to do a day and date and went, well, a lot of these contracts are based on box office. So we're going to have unhappy stars and decided fuck it, we're going to make so much in subs and so much in VOD rentals that, that we can afford to pay the that, lawsuit. That we can afford the fucking lawsuit, yeah. I, and that's... Because like, there's no way that the business side didn't... Oh, that that thought no. never crossed that mind. Like, when all they got do no. is deal with, like, legal fucking contracts, there's not a chance that that never came across the desk as a as a potential. And you know that they just decided there was a, a worthwhile calculated risk to uh, do it this way. Yes, that was absolutely in the conversation. This is coming from someone with like 12 years business accounting finance experience. Those numbers get put into the equation. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, and it's, I'll be curious what the result of this lawsuit is, it, whether it like goes through or not, because I mean, if the contract was specific enough of just box office earnings, there could be a result in this where the judge goes, get fucked. Like, yeah, you, you got your box office earnings. It was lower, but pound sand. I hope that's not the case. Yeah. Well, either way, like if it, maybe it works out for him this go round or maybe not, but without a doubt, the future of, of contracts with agencies is definitely going to be changing oh, after this. Absolutely. You know, like any contract that is hitting an agent's desk going into negotiations, you know, 
is absolutely going to have these clauses in. Yeah. You know, and it's like, there's a reason that most Hollywood agents are lawyers, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know? So it's like, yeah, and this is just, it's sad in one aspect, especially when you see like Kevin Feige coming out, like the guy who built this and structured these deals, like telling Disney, like, stop fucking with your people. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just like for Disney executives to be that tone deaf, I guess. Yeah, for sure. It's, not surprising, but is also disappointing. Yeah. Right. So it's. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's all the lawsuit stuff. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to get a Waterworld TV series sequel. Interesting. <laughs> that movie is historically used in as an example of what a box office bomb and an inflated budget is. It wasn't that I I like that movie for other reasons. It's not a good movie, but what the fuck do you make a water world sequel TV series as? I don't know. Like, that's why I'm really intrigued about this is what, what do you make that show? And I, I honestly, I don't think I've even seen Waterworld to be completely honest with you. Oh man, so. you should. It's like some prime nineties, like budget. Trash? Yeah. <laughs> but like in a fun way, but like, yeah, it is. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know who had this idea, but I mean, there is a world that a water world show with a decent budget and decent people in it could probably be pretty badass because it's like Mad Max on water. Right. Mm-hmm. So like there's some opportunity there, but I well, want to go ahead. Well, it looks like Dan Trachtenberg, the guy who did, who directed 10 Cloverfield lane is on board to direct. And I thought 10 Cloverfield lane was a fucking masterpiece given that it was set in that, like, really fucking stupid Cloverfield monster world. Right. I still haven't watched 10 Cloverfield Lane. And I know, really? I know it, you're... Yeah, I get shit all the fucking, time. It is fucking good, man. I know. it's. I've been meaning to watch it, but I just haven't. Like, I'm going to add that right after the show. John Goodman. Holy fuck, was he good in there. He's good in everything. He is, but, like, you typically don't see him in this, like, manipulative, diabolical, right. like... Right, evil at his core kind of fucking role and like he played this that role he just he smashed it so hard because you're like oh this is a you like the personality change from him to the start to the end and you kind of like see the true character kind of reveal itself by the end like it was so amazing and Mary Mary Elizabeth Winstead Mary Beth oh yeah yeah phenomenal yep yeah I really need to check it out Mm mm-hmm but yeah, Waterworld TV show. I want more information on that. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe I'll go back and watch the actual movie. Yeah. It's a trip. <laughs> I'll take your word for it. Uh, okay, so last piece of news. Paramount Plus and Peacock partnership is now on hold. The merger is uncertain because the Biden government has very strict antitrust laws. Yeah. Which is interesting. Yeah. 
I mean, sure, they push past the Comcast one. That's not antitrust, but like yeah. two fucking movie studios. Yeah. Disney can buy fucking Fox, which owns Hulu and fucking ESPN. That's, you know, mm-hmm. that's totally cool. But the antitrust laws are only are only for the public's good when they're actually not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which you know, want to talk about shitty antitrust laws. Look at us Canadians. They're fucking telecom. Yeah. Get fucked. But the, this is interesting because like I remember when we talked about all these streaming services popping up. Like we were talking about, like eventually there's going to be mergers and acquisitions because they're not, they're going to slowly realize that you've got to commit big budgets and big dollars to these. Yeah. And now you're seeing like two of the smallest ones, right? Like they're probably on the bottom of the list. Yeah. They're, I would say both of them yet easily on the bottom, you know, so they are now going like, Hey, what if we just combined? And it's like, of course. Because, hey, newsflash, neither of you needed a streaming service. No, that's just it. They could have been making dump trucks of money just licensing their fucking, their shit out to other companies to put on their streaming services. Yeah. And they had ample opportunity from the fucking beginning. Like, it was pretty clear early on when Netflix went online as a streaming service that that was going to be the future. Mm-hmm. But you just had these, like, you know, that fucking whole old boys club sitting yep. in their office where they're like that'll never pan out in the long run it's all about box office movies no one wants to sit at home when they can go to the movie theater yeah and it looks like those old fucks were completely wrong because as with most situations when you have a 70 year old guy who's heading the fucking board as a ceo or some shit like that he's probably not in tune with what is happening in the fucking modern era with technology and what the younger generations are doing because yep. These younger kids, man, they're coming yep. up and they're making and breaking what's going to fucking happen. Yep. Diversity is important in business. Mm-hmm. Um, so it seems like... So it seems like they had this deal, like, good to go, and they're putting it on hold because apparently the merger between Warner Brothers and Discovery is being challenged. So it seems like from this article, they're saying they're like putting it on hold and going like, if that goes through, we're good to go. But if it doesn't go through, then it might not be worth trying, right? You see, like this is the thing that I don't quite follow, right? Like when like Comcast and Viacom or whatever, like did their fucking merger or whatever the two like big cable companies were. Like that one went through and that one's like, okay, these guys like price fix and price gouge. And like, this isn't good for anyone because now instead of having four choices where you have some competitive nature going through, you got three and they're just going to price fix. And uh, like, I want to say some of the bullshit regarding that is they just made them sell a couple of like smaller business units off and was like, Hey, as long as you sell these smaller ones off, we'll slide it through, which is its own bullshit but. yeah well and like like up here like right now shaw is trying to merge with rogers yes and and, Sh- and shaw has been the only challenger to our like incredibly price fixed like for those who don't know we pay the highest phone bills in the fucking like modernized yes like, first world countries yes like our our phone bills are higher than the u.s than australia anywhere in the european union like we have the highest fucking phone bills of any fully developed nation in the fucking world i think our internet is up there too yeah like it's it's obscene so 
like Shaw has been the only one who's been challenging these companies and bringing prices down low when they started their fucking mobile division. Yep. And now they're trying to sell off to Rogers and a bunch of people are naturally like unhappy because yeah. of the price fixing between Bell Rogers and Telus. Yeah. But it sounds like that's probably going to go through because they're like, Oh no, we're it's better service. And then with more, you know, this and that we'll be able to lower prices. And it's like, that's not how that's going to play out at all. I like anyone who doesn't see that is stupid. But I, in this instance, yeah. If you're just merging two streaming services, yeah. like I don't see how that's going to be detrimental because no. they still have to stay competitive to compete with Netflix, Disney, HBO, yeah, and fucking like Hulu, yeah. So like they're not going to be able to merge jack the prices up because no one's going to pay that price, yeah. It's just going to lead to people not using their new merge streaming service, or it's going to like lead to an increase in piracy. Whereas you take something like a telecom. And if they decide that they're going to keep jacking up their prices, well, then the other two here, they're going to be like, oh, well, they're charging 80 bucks. We'll charge 80 bucks. Yeah. Like, so like, I don't know. These things just are weird. Because yeah, the ones where you're like, oh, that absolutely is going to be Terrible. detrimental to the yeah. average consumer and is going to end up costing them more in the long run. Those ones somehow get streamlined through and everything's okie dokie. And then you look at a situation like this where it's like, all this is is a win for the consumer because now they're going to have two pools of media under one price yeah. instead of paying that, you know, double the price and accessing separate. But it's like, well, I don't know. This could be bad for the, con like, how is this bad for the consumer? Yeah. Someone please explain that to me. Cause I don't see it. Bigger companies just lobby a lot more and spend a lot more money. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's the answer to that. But yeah, I'd like, I bet the challenge for the Warner brothers and discovery thing goes like, doesn't go through. And like that happens just fine. Like, I bet this happens. Mm -hmm. like I don't see a world in which this gets slapped off the table like it just doesn't seem when you look at some of the other recent mergers in the film industry like it would be hard pressed to slap this one down when Disney just bought Fox right yeah. you know like so but yeah yeah and that's the thing too is we're not talking about like Paramount buying Peacock no it's just a partnership yeah, exactly. So it's like, yeah. So, so fuck capitalism. Yeah, I guess, eh? Yeah. I think that's it for the news. Mm hmm. So, Matt Damon in Stillwater. Yeah. That movie was like the definition of all right. There were certain parts that were really good. Like, Matt Damon was Matt Damon, so he was great. And, like, he plays his part really good. Um, but there's certain, so do you know the premise of that movie? Uh, I remember reading it, something about a kid. Okay. So the premise is basically Matt Damon has got a kid that goes to France for university and basically, you know, the Amanda Knox story in yep. real life, B basically yep. that happens and his daughter ends up in French jail. Okay. And she's all like, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. So he's all traveling back and forth from France to the U.S., like visiting his daughter and trying to get her out. And so it's basically about him trying to get her out. Um, and I don't know if you're going to watch it, so I don't know if you want me to duck spoilers or not. But mm, It was on the list, but it's not high up on the list. So I'll be vague with it then. Um, but yeah, so it essentially is about kind of him trying to get get his daughter out 
Um, and there's kind of some twists and turns with the case on like kind of what happens with the case and like the whodunit thing. And then there's also kind of a like the best parts of the movie are actually don't involve that. They don't involve the main plot, which is what's weird about it. Okay. Because the best part is like, so when he's down there, so he's like a Texas guy, yep. like old school Texas, like thing. And he's in France. So he doesn't speak the language. And so like, he's constantly talking to people and he's like, you don't speak English to you. And then he'll just walk away and he'll be like, motherfucker. And so he's like frustrated because he can't like talk to anyone. Yeah. And so he ends up finding this like French woman that's got a kid. And so he kind of helps her with some stuff and then she translates for him. And it's kind of been shown that like, hey, maybe Matt Damon wasn't the best dad and he was never around. And so he kind of de facto like ends up being the husband and father to this French girl and her daughter. Okay. And all of that stuff is actually like really well done. Like the chemistry and like the acting is like, it's very good. Like you watch it and it's enjoyable. You're laughing at their jokes and all of that. But then when it comes to like the whodunit, and how his daughter gets out of jail. They make some story decisions that just don't make any sense. Mm. So, and like, I won't say anything more in case you want to watch it. Cause like, I think like I, I had an enjoyable time with it. Um, but there was just like certain parts where I was just like, why did you do that? That doesn't make any sense to do it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, like, Matt da- like if you like Matt Damon, check it out, right? Well, I so, was I was intrigued to see it. Yeah. Like I saw a preview for it, and I was like, okay, I kind of want to see that. I like yeah. Matt Damon, and it looks like a nice, yeah, interesting drama. Yeah, I, like I definitely think it's worth checking out. So, like, I, I won't go into more detail. And if you do watch it, we can go into detail. But like, it's solid. Like Matt Damon is great. You know, I'll watch anything with that guy. So, um, but yeah, that's. Stillwater and a funny thing I was reading I was watching the press coverage for that and he was talking about it and he had the most funny story about how his 16 year old daughter absolutely shits on him daily about the Great Wall movie that he made <laughs> like she, apparently she was like ripping him new ones like on a daily basis like he was talking about how one day she walked into the house and she was like hey remember that bad movie you did what was it the wall and he was like, oh, you mean The Great Wall? And he was like, her exact words were, there was nothing great about that movie. That shouldn't be in the title. And she's just <laughs> like, she keeps shitting on him. And it was such, it, like, it was a funny thing of like, how his daughter just knows his shit movies and isn't afraid to like give it to him. That's funny. Okay, well, still water, still on my list. I still want to <clears throat> check it out. Yeah, it's worth checking out. And then I watched Green Knight, and this is by far the worst movie I have seen in my life. Well, I mean, you haven't watched Out of Death yet, so I don't know if you can make that. that okay, claim. okay, it is one of the worst movies I've seen in my life. Oh my god! And it, I was intrigued by it. So, so was I. So was I. Like I saw the trailer, and I thought it was going to be like kind of a fantasy epic kind of thing but there is zero point to this movie i do not know what the point of this movie is i like hmm. i do not know what the whole plot of that movie is it's dev patel going out on a fucking weird adventure because he killed the green knight 
and he does a bunch of pointless stuff. And then the movie just kind of ends. And I almost walked out numerous times. That bad, eh? Like, there's, there's no action. Like, there's no excitement. It's just, like, him walking through, going on this weird fucking journey uh, to fucking fight the Green Knight a year later. But then he just ends up, like, there's weird, like, fantasy things that you don't know if they're real. And they're maybe all, like, some hallucination or in his head. Like, like none of it made sense. And there's, like, this fox that turns out it can talk. And, like, and, oh, my God. Like, it's just. It's bad. I, I, I do not, like, I, I walked out. And me and my buddy were talking about it. And there was multiple people in the theater with us that you could audibly hear in multiple parts of that movie just go, what the fuck is this? Like, multiple people in the theater were just like, the fuck is happening in this movie? Like, what is this? Like, it was insane. So how does a movie like that get such, like, a big box office debut? I don't know. Probably because, so here's the fucking weird thing. This is sitting at a 90% critic rating. This is the definition of one of those artsy movies that makes no sense that critics critics eat up, but fans watch it and go, what the fuck? Because mm. I don't know. Like, maybe it's just me, but I have a feeling it's not when multiple people in that theater were saying the same thing. It's just, it, it's fucking, it's but weird, it's bad, it makes no sense. I feel like with these like ones that have terrible audience scores but high critic scores, like I, I feel like half the time these critics are just they're straight lying, where they watch something and they think it's bad and confusing and stupid and doesn't make sense, but then they're like, "Well, fuck, I'm a movie critic, I'm an intellectual, like I must have missed yeah. something and it doesn't make sense to me, but I don't want to be the person who says it's stupid, so they just like yeah. make up some nonsense about how profound and thought provoking the movie was, even though they're just like everyone else and they're yeah. like, I don't fucking get it. Or there's some fucking hidden meeting that our dumbass fans just can't recognize because we didn't go to film school i don't know but man that was like there was multiple times during that movie where me and my buddy looked over each other and was like you want to leave like are you just done with this and like we're watching it and then like my buddy looked over and he was like there's 30 minutes still left and i was like i shook my head and i was like all right i th i think we should just leave and then he was like oh wait okay it's only 10 and i was like Okay, I can do 10. I can do 10 to see what this dog shit movie... And you know what? Dog shit is disrespectful to dogs. That's how bad this movie is. Like... <laughs> like, it's... I think you should almost watch it just well, to experience what this movie is. Well, now I'm curious. Now I am a little interested in watching it just hearing how terrible it is. Because I kind of want to see what the hubbub's about. Yes. I, I I do not think you should pay a movie ticket to see that, but maybe when it hits your plex, you should check it out. Or burn some scene points and just be mad at a movie theater for two hours and 20 minutes. All right, then. But oh my God, like, fuck. Terrible I, movie. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then I checked out a limited series on Hulu called Dr. Death. 
Yeah, that one I do want to see. Um, which is based on a true story. And this show is fucking awesome. As soon as I saw Alec Baldwin, Joshua Jackson, and it looked like Christian Slater. Yes. I was like, oh, yes, I'm all in it on is, this. It is at the top of my watch list right dude, now. It is so fucking good. I binged it in two days. I did four episodes one night, four episodes of the next night, and was like done. It hmm. is good. It is really good. Um, all of their performances are just like top notch, top notch. And so I guess if people don't know the background, um, so it's a true story, so it's not really spoiling anything, but it's essentially a doctor that maims and kills people in surgery and does it a lot. And so the show is about basically Christian Slater and Alec Baldwin are two doctors that find out about this guy and are like, we need to stop this guy. Because, like, he is, like, and the show does this so well where it shows him in surgery and how bad it is. Like, you were cringing at the screen because you just see Joshua Jackson with a hammer and a pick in someone's back and just, like, fucking it up. Just, like, going to town and you're just like, what? Like, it's insane. Hmm. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, like, it's, it's crazy how they do it. I, I think it is incredibly well done and like Christian Slater and like Alec Baldwin like when they look at some of the charts and they actually fix some of the patients too where they go in and they're like yeah he just screwed uh, what should have gone into bone into some muscle and just left it there didn't realize that it was muscle he was screwing into when it should have been bone and it's like there's a texture difference there that you should absolutely recognize the difference of that's wild yeah so it's crazy um, and it's a crazy story too. So in real life, like it is, it was one of the first cases where they charged someone like that is part of a professional association of malpractice that got them like jail time mm. because it's a very hard thing to prove like incompetence versus like willfully knowing it. Right. Yeah. So, and it's like. As someone that is a part of a professional association and has lawsuit insurance, like, I understand those aspects of it, but it's, like, it's a crazy thing of, like, they go through, like, just how hard it is to prove that. Yeah. And it's fascinating how they do it. Um, so, yeah, it's, it was good. It, it, it surprised me how good it was. Uh, it's, like I said, it's, it's at the top of my uh, watch list now, so. Yeah. So, like, there is, like, they definitely say, like, there is, like, this is a dramatization, so, like, not all of this happened, but, but it is, it is really good. And there's actually a, I want to say HBO is doing a documentary on this as well, soon? Okay. Um, let me just see here, because I thought I remember reading that. I want to say HBO is doing one, which will also be really good, because it'll be... Like the actual real life stuff. But, mm -hmm. but yeah, definitely bump it up your list, man. All right. Well, it, it was already at the top, so. Because yeah, like I knew as soon as I watched it, I was like, this will be right up your alley. Um, and yeah. Well, just, as soon as I saw like the little trailer and then I saw like who was in it, I was like, yep, I'm in. Yeah. It's just, yeah. They capture, because it's a hard thing to capture like 
So, you know, when there's like a true crime documentary, like it's really easy to like make the audience feel for the victim because you see them get shot. Yeah. They did a really well job of like trying to get you to feel like the victim when it's like surgery because mm-hmm. like you're asleep. You don't feel anything. Yeah. Right. But then it's like after the fact, like people come out and it's like, I went in for a mild back surgery that should have took an hour. It took six and I'm paralyzed from the neck down now. Ooh. And it's just like, and that's when you see like him in the surgery, like they do such a good job of like just making gruesome sounds going into like back and spine where you're just watching it and you're just kind of like, oh God, like fuck mm-hmm. that shouldn't happen. Ooh. So it's good. It's good. Okay. All right. So. so tell me about fucking good old Shyamalan's new movie. He needs to give up. Yeah. Okay. It was just bad, man. Like, all right. All you right. learn everything that you need to know about the entire film from the fucking trailer. Like, you it's, can watch the trailer, and then honestly, there's no need to watch the film. You're on a beach and it ages people. Yeah, that's that's literally the whole fucking movie. So there wasn't some dumbass Shyamalan fucking twist at the end. I mean, like, I don't know if you want me to spoiler alert. Yeah, give her shit. It. I wouldn't call it a fucking twist, oh, but you. A- you find out at the end that like it just so happens this one part of the island is got a bunch of rocks near it that cause this like really weird heavy magnetic field. What? And that's what causes people to age. Oh. And it turns out that all the people who end up on this beach are pretty much like hand selected. Like you learn early on that like the the family that this whole thing centers around she got like a an email about like a discount for this really nice resort and it was going to be really cheap so she takes her family there and then you find out a couple cuz they end up on this beach with like two other groups of people and same thing you find out that they came across this like through an email or a priceline notification or whatever about this beautiful resort and how cheap it was going to be so like it turns out that this, so like, like is this a supernatural is like force is selecting them for this island or is this do they explain that at all? Yeah, so it's basically like a pharmaceutical company. Oh, that wants to test their drugs and how well it works. So instead of like a long-term 10-year study where you feed people your drugs, they can feed them these drugs, put them in this place that ages them because they worked it out. I think it was every 30 minutes is a year. Okay. So instead of like having to do these long-term studies that take decades to find out if their drugs work or they don't work and how well they work, they feed the guests as soon as the guests arrive because they already like hand select them. They go, okay, we know this chick has this like weird inoperable tumor in her stomach. So right off the hop, they show up at the resort and the resort greets them and goes, oh, based on your preferences that you filled out, we made these special handmade cocktail drinks for you to welcome you to our beautiful island resort. Well, okay. in these cocktail drinks is whatever fucking pharmaceutical drug they're trying to test out. Okay. Then they ship them off to this beach. They tell them it's a nice secluded beach and they only tell certain guests about it and they'll take you there and you just, they'll take you so far and then you have to walk through this like little canyon. You get to this beautiful beach and call us when you want to be picked up and we'll send a, a resort so, bus to pick you up. So do they, do they explain how you, they can't just walk off the beach when they realize what's happening? Very poorly, yes. Okay. Okay. So because it's like this heavy magnetic field that causes everyone to age, they give you an analogy that it's kind of like, um, 
when you deep sea dive, right? You go so down, so your body adjusts to the pressure, so you have to come up very slowly. And if okay. you come up too fast, you get the bends, right? Which is like oxidization in your blood and yeah. you pass out and stuff. Yeah. So because this magnetic field is so heavy, if you try to just walk out the canyon that you came into, you get like really dizzy and disoriented and you end up passing out. All right. That's pretty loose, but at least they tried. Yeah. Very, very loose. So because a couple of times, a couple of the guests, they're like, fuck it, I'm leaving. And they go to run through this canyon and it's, you know, kind of like a depressurization process. So they start going dizzy and then they get disoriented and then they wake back up on the beach because uh-huh. like it, they talk about how it's this like immense pressure in their head. Uh-huh. So that's how they explain how no one can leave. But then at the very end, everyone ages and fucking dies out except for like the two kids who like at the beginning of the movie, they're six and 11. Okay. And then by the end, they're both like one's in their late 40s and the other one's in their early 50s kind of thing. Okay. Well, they find out and it's so fucking stupid because when they first get to the resort, the little kid in the movie, who's five, okay, runs into another little kid and his uncle is like the host at this resort. Kind of like the front desk host. Like he's the one who walks around to make sure the guests are all cool. Okay. So he has a nephew there and this kid becomes friends with like the main character kid and they okay. they never explain how it they end up playing this fucking game because by all accounts they're only in this resort for one day before they go out to this beach but the two little kids play start playing a game of like secret decoder messages so okay. it's like a bunch of symbols and then they like pass a note and then the other kid has to like open this book and like look at the symbol and see what letter it is and decode the message Okay. Well, right before they go to the beach, the one the the one little kid gets a note from like the resort kid whose uncle works there, and he takes it with him to the beach and never really decodes it until he's like in his fucking twenties or something, or his thirties. And then they're sitting there and they just kind of like come to this self realization, like, oh yeah, we're gonna age and we're gonna die here. There's no way out. So there, he's sitting there with his sister. Everyone else is dead. He decides he's going to sit down and decode this message for fun. Decodes the message, and the message is like, it says something to the effect of, my uncle really doesn't like the coral. What? Yeah, because there's coral reefs out in the ocean. Okay. And then all of a sudden it clicks. <gasps> his uncle doesn't like the coral. Like, they figured out, like, obviously the resort was in on this because, like, they could see a guy with a camera, like, way off in the distance, a camera lens. Oh. So they're like, oh, we're being recorded and watched. So they figure out that the resort is in on this. And they right. come to that realization after they talk to the other people on the beach, like, oh, I have this inoperable tumor. Oh, I have, like, advanced Alzheimer. Oh, I have this and that. That they, right. that someone right. in each group has some kind of medical disorder. So they piece it together. He reads the note, says, my uncle doesn't like the coral. And he's like, oh. The coral out in the ocean, that's got to be the key to getting out of here. So they swim out in the ocean, they swim into this like tunnel in the coral, and that's somehow the coral blocks the fucking Earth's magnetic field, and that's how they escape. That sounds real dumb. Yeah, it was pretty fucking stupid. And then they just do some really poor, stupid decisions within it. Like at one point, like the mother, she has a tumor in the stomach, and then all of a sudden it's like, really 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 big so they're like we got to cut this out of her because she just passed out so they like cut her open but because time moves so fast healing moves really fast right Uh. 
So like at one point they like cut her open, but like the skin just immediately seals like Wolverine from X-Men. So then there's like four of them and they cut her open and all of them are like holding her stomach open, like with as much force as they can so they can pull this tumor out. And then they just kind of like let go and this like six inch cut in this woman's stomach just like seals up. She's good to go. All right. That sounds real dumb. Well, that wasn't even, that wasn't even the dumbest part. Okay. The dumbest part is like one of the other fucking families that's there. The, so the young kid, when he goes onto the beach, he's like five, five, I think. And then one of the other couples that's there, the one girl has a daughter and the daughter's like three and they all start aging pretty fucking quickly. And then at one point, it's just the kid and the daughter and they're both in their like teens at this point. Okay. And they're laying in like a little like kind of like tent. It's not really a tent, but it's like a little shelter with a blanket over top. And the the girl who's now a teenager is talking about how she's scared and the little boy's like, oh, don't worry. Like, everything will be fine. I'm here for you. And then someone's like, well, where are the kids? Where are the kids? And they, like, start yelling their names. And they both come out of this tent. And then, lo and behold, now this girl's got, like, a fucking pot belly on her. And then it gets bigger. Well, it turns oh. out they had sex in there. And she's pregnant. So in the span of, like, 10 minutes, this fucking, like, 17-year-old girl has a baby and gives birth. All right. That sounds real Shyamalan. <laughs> yeah. Well, and apparently babies, they need like physical attention. Okay. So the baby comes out and they like put it in the blanket and they're holding it. And whoever's holding it looks away and talks to someone. And then inside of like 30 seconds, the baby dies. What? Because they were turned and they were not paying attention to the kid and giving the kid love and attention that it needs or like food really. And because aging happens so fast that this baby just, it died inside of 30 seconds. That seems like some real dumb Shamlin logic. Sure, yeah. Okay. So that's like, yeah, that's the extent of the whole film. And then the kid and the girl eventually get out and they go to the resort. And at the very beginning of the movie, the one kid has this habit of going up to strangers and being like, what's your name and what do you do for a living? Okay. And he said that to a stranger and the one guy's like, oh, I'm here on vacation. I'm a cop from Detroit or some shit. Okay. So they get back to the resort. They go talk to the cop. While they're on the beach, they found a journal with a list of everybody's names who's ever been to the beach. Okay. And like the stuff that they went through and blah, blah, blah. So they like give this journal to the guy, to this like Detroit cop on vacation. He calls some people and they look it up and go, oh yeah, this is a missing person. And this is a missing person. And this is a missing person. So then he huh. makes some phone calls and then some kind of police force comes to this fucking island and ends up arresting them. All right. Mm-hmm. Seems real dumb. I'm going to watch it at some point because I've seen every one of his movies. But that, that seems real dumb. Yeah, it was pretty bad. It was. Is it, is it better it or worse bad. than that cornfield one? Like the one where the plants talk to each other and we're trying to wipe out the human race? Yes, but then can also be killed by water. Yeah, no, it was worse than that one. Okay, all right, all right. Huh. Yeah, I would argue that it's probably the worst of all, all right. the Shyamalan movies. All right. It's just, like, I like I think most people can agree The Sixth Sense was pretty fucking stunning when it came out. Yep. And, like, I thought Signs was pretty good. Yeah. And I, a lot of people hated it, but I didn't mind The Lady in the Water or whatever that one, or The Village or whatever it was called. Oh, right, right. Where at the very end, it turns out the village is like in the center of a fucking city or some shit. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Like, I actually enjoyed that one. 
And I liked the split and that other one you did. Yeah, and like after coming off of fucking those like, Unbreakable, Split, and then Mr. Glass, yeah. like I enjoyed all of those movies. I mean, Split was the best out of the three of them, and Mr. Totally. Glass kind of let me down, but I still enjoyed it. Yeah. But then watching this, it was like, this is fucking like, all right, this is the sign, man. You should probably retire if this yeah. is all that you got left in you. This is this is bad. Yeah, I feel like it's like that. Shyamalan is like he either makes a banger or a complete flop. Like there's no in between. Like it's like you're either gonna go, yeah, you nailed it, or it's just like man, pack it in. Like, <laughs> yeah, well, this is a pack it in for sure. It was yeah. fucking not very good. I regret seeing it. But, Did uh, Shyamalan have his usual like really forced bad cameo? Yeah, he was the bus driver that okay. fucking drove them all to the fucking beach. Beautiful, beautiful. Mm-hmm. I'm glad he hasn't changed that. All yeah, right, that was that was fucking old. All right, terrible. But right. I did start watching zero 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 on Prime. So I haven't heard of this at all. What is this? I never heard of it either. And I pretty routinely check my streaming services for stuff that might be interesting. Yeah, I heard about it through uh, Bert Kreischler and Tom Segura. They have their podcast Two Bears One Cave. Okay, and he was talking about it on an episode there. Okay. And I was like, oh, that sounds interesting. So I watched the trailer and I was like, holy shit. How have I never heard of this before? Oh. So, so I started watching it and it basically is like an incredibly high budget movie split into like eight or ten episodes. And it follows and it's like basically follows like a drug shipment. Yeah, I'm reading this now. And it is like I'm halfway through. So I think I've, I've watched the first four. But okay. like. Okay. The fucking production value on this, like this, this, I mean, I'm super happy. It's like eight episodes or whatever. Right. Because I feel like maybe the, the story would be far too condensed to put it into one two hour movie. Right. But like every episode feels like a high budget fucking action drama movie. Okay. All and right. it's just like so far start to finish. Every episode has been amazing. It's an incredibly intriguing story where you're like seeing all ends of like a fucking drug drug shipment. Like the cartels in Mexico who make it and like sell it and they're selling to like a third party broker who's in the US and his Mm. job is basically to like get these drugs overseas to fucking Spain and like getting a boat and a shipping container and all the back end stuff that like you never really see in movies, right? right? Like he's a drug dealer's like, oh yeah, we just sold 50,000 fucking kilos of coke to this this country or whatever. But in this one, it's like you see like the Americans like, yeah, I know these guys in Spain. I'm making a deal with them. They want 50 keys. And then he meets with the Mexicans and he brokers this deal between the cartels and this like this uh, Spain or Spain or Italy. But it's like a mafia over there. I'm pretty sure it's, it's Italy. Spain. Italy. Italy is, okay. yeah, is what I'm yeah, reading. So it's like an Italian mafia guy. So he brokers this deal. And then you see the back end stuff where like it's this like old kind of Chicago business guy. And like oh, shit. he buys like a shipping container ship for like 38 million and then puts a bunch of normal stuff on there so that he can hide the shipment of drugs on there and then like what he has to go through to make this all fucking work so he can get this boat in the water and then meanwhile for whatever reason there's like this internal war happening over in italy where like the current like head of the mafia he's like getting old and his grandson is trying to like basically oust him so he can 
step up and take over. Right. So then right. his grandson is trying to like tank this deal so that his grandfather looks like a fool for wasting this money and not getting okay. the drugs. All right. All so right. it's just like, I don't know. It's just, it's, 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 just, it's remarkable, man. And like, it is truly amazing that I haven't heard more, like, cause the amount of TV shows and movies I watch, yeah. I can't believe I'd never heard of this before. Cause it's been on there for a little while now. Like yeah. it's not new. Yeah. But it, it is. This seems like a great example of one of those shows that just slips by because no one is talking about it. Yeah. And it's like, amazing. This seems right up my fucking alley. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get this immediately because that sounds it, like everything I want. It, and it is. It's, it's amazing. From like so far from like where I am, every episode has been like super amazing. Like leaves you on a, on a note like you want more, but like mm. no single, like you get into some of these like, suspenseful dramas where like you'll have an episode of like interesting shit happen it leaves you on a cliffhanger then you get a next episode and it's like really slow and it's boring and it's dull and you're like okay just like hurry up and let, let me get to the next episode so i can get excited again but like this one from start to finish so far i've been like fixated like yeah. paying attention to these characters and like what's happening and like all the and it's just interesting to see him attack it from every angle because you yeah. typically only see like the one side in movies yeah. and shows. And this is like you get scenes of what's going on with the cartels and then the corruption within the Mexican military as well as what's going on in the cartels. And then you see the American side where he's brokering and he's doesn't want this life. But, you know, this is where the money comes from. And he's kind of reluctantly doing all this. And then you see it from like the receiving end where there's like this internal struggle within the Italian mafia as to who's like a power vacuum is starting to form and oh, okay. it's, it's good. And it's, it's got your mystery. It's got your suspense. It's got your violence. It's got like the shootings and stuff. There's one, it's not a spoiler alert, but there's one scene where the Mexican military finds one of these, like is like listening in wiretapping devices. Some of these cartel guys and yep. they like, okay, we found this guy. We got him. Like, let's go after him. So they chase him through like this Mexican city, this, this Mexican military and he gets out and he's running and he's got like some of his other cartel members. So they're like in the middle of like a kind of like a little like outdoor market. Okay, and they just yep. start shooting. Oh. So like the military guys are like they're picking off some of these cartel members. The cartel members like hit a few of the military guys. But then you see all the civilians that just happen to be there like shopping and getting lunch and they're getting fucking hit by stray bullets and dropped. Oh, and there's like one scene where one of the cartel guys shoots. And like the military guy like ducks for cover and then he like comes around the car and he sees this like six-year-old girl oh, and shit. she got clipped in the neck and he like runs over to her and he's like holding her neck and she's like you can see like the fear in her eyes right, and right, she's yeah. like, like oh my god like what's happening and he's like no you're you're gonna be okay but like you can like he's holding her neck and it is like blowing out of huh. her neck and like she, and then yeah. you just like you see like the look in this like mexican soldier's face where he's like this, like this poor like six-year-old girl man like died in his hands right. and there was nothing he could do about it because of this like fucked up violence that's going on between the military and the cartel this seems red it's I'm something else man it's something else yeah these these type of shows remind me of like uh like recently for me it was that gangs of london show where it was just a banger every episode Mm -hmm. Or like a banshee where it's just like no one talks about it and then you like discover it and you're like, holy shit, why is no one talking about this? Yeah. So, I mean, if this is one of those, like I'll definitely check this out. Yeah. It's, oh, hey. It's, this is made by the same network that does Gangs of London. Is it? Yeah, Sky. A director. I can't remember who it was, but when I saw like he was also the director or something else, I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
creators. What have they done? I can't remember off the top of my head. It was either the writer, the creators, or the director, but they did something like something in similar vein that I saw that I really enjoyed, and that's kind of what like put it over the edge for like I'm definitely gonna check this out. Okay. Yeah, I definitely want to check this out now because that that all sounds fucking great. So mm-hmm. all right. I'm sold. Yeah. Phenomenal. I am sold. All right. So you're all caught up on American Horror Story. Uh no. I watched Jesus Christ. I watched the first three, so I think there's what, one? That's one more out now? Or is there yeah. two? You no, know, you missed fucking number four, the bro house one. The influencer one, right? Yeah, which is the one I wanted to talk about. No, well, all right. Well, I mean, we can talk about the other ones. I it tripped me up at first when I first started watching because I was under the impression every episode was going to be its own story, but and the then first they... two were not. They were interlinked as the Rubber Woman story. Yes. So here's the thing: I I saw that and I went, "What? Same thing? Like what the fuck? Like I thought this was separate." And then like after that. Once those two ended and then the third, the drive-in one started, I was like, okay, so now we're getting into that. And I actually think it's smart that they started with those two because they kind of remind you that like, hey, this is American Horror Stories. We're going to start with the rubber people and this house, like Murder House, and then we'll move on and get into the other shit, right? Yeah, I liked how they linked it to Murder House. So it's like, hey, this is like its own series, but like it's in the same universe. Yes. I think so that you was, could see these people pop up yes. in future actual American Horror Story yes. seasons. I, I think that was their way of saying, like, hey, this is still American Horror Stories. We're going to do this weird thing, but, like, hey, it is still very much like, hey, this is the murder house, and this is the suit, and yeah. here is Matt Boomer that was also in a bunch of other stuff. So, yeah. here we go. Um, I thought the murder house stuff was all right. Like, yeah, for I revisiting actually, that, like, I, I thought really, that was good. I really enjoyed those two. Those two episodes. Like how they kind of like talk about a show that like doesn't shove all that stuff. Like, you know, I think we talked about it or on another episode, like kind of the forced stuff, you know, mm-hmm. like they do a good job of like not making you feel that it's out of place or put there. Right. Yeah. Like it just kind of, and maybe that's just because that whole American Horror Story universe has been doing that shit for since the beginning. Right. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's just like that, but. Yeah, I liked it. I thought that was the story of like a new girl comes to town, tries to make friends, and they bully her, so she just fucking stabs them in the rubber suit. I was like totally on board with it. I was like, that's that's a great that's Yeah, I like the first two episodes like kicked it off and I was like, Okay, hey, I'm into this. This is gonna be good. I'm not gonna lie, the driving one it felt like that one was I don't know. I've I've I felt like there was a bunch missing that should have been there. Yeah. Yeah. Like it took a while. Like the first whole half of the episode is just talking about it's this set film and yeah. set. Yeah. And then the last half, I didn't feel like the payoff was worth was, the wait. Was worth the, yeah. the setup of it. There was yeah. very little that really happened in that episode. Yes. So that one kind of like left me going, Oh no, maybe this one episode story stuff isn't going to work. I like, I have a feeling and I'm guessing you want to talk about four because it's good. Well, like, I won't, like, spoiler alert anything, right? But, like, because you, you can you can read the premise and anything. Yeah. Like, I won't spoil yeah. anything. But it's, I liked it because it's a fucking take on this, like, modern YouTube house shit. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. four fucking dudes, and they call it the bro house. And they yeah. all live in this mansion, and they make YouTube videos. They're influencers. 
And then they eventually like piss off a fucking mall Santa and the mall Santa decides that he's going to come after them and kind of like teach him a lesson. I'm sold. But this, this one was done well in the sense that you like, you have that buildup, but it didn't feel like it dragged on too much. And then the last half, like the last half of the episode, the payoff was worth the wait. Like they closed it off really fast and you had your violence, you had your like everything that you needed to. And like, I don't know. I felt as an episode, I liked the content and the idea of this movie that makes people fucking go crazy and murder. I liked that idea and that concept more than this bro house one. But the way the bro house episode played out, I thought it was just better structured. Right. And I think that's when you're doing a series like this where all of them are independent. Like, I think you're going to have bangers and you're going to have ones that are like, meh. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm looking up because it's. So it's seven episodes for this season, I think. And so they have taglines for all the other episodes, eh? Oh, do they? So episode five is a wife does the unthinkable for a chance at a successful pregnancy. So that sounds like it could be real cool. Okay. Episode six is a family goes on a camping trip unaware of what is lurking in the woods, which that sounds real good. Yep, right right into that one. Yeah. Episode seven is a couple dares to spend a night in one of the most infamous haunted houses. And that also seems all right. So I wonder if that's going to go back to murder house. I wonder if that'll be asylum. Oh, that could be it too. Or the house from Roanoke. Oh yeah. You know what? It's, it's probably Roanoke. It's probably Roanoke. But yeah, like so far, like I am totally digging this cause it is more American horror story. Yeah, no, right? it, it was, it was good. And I liked, like, I loved the first two, the third one I was kind of mad on the fourth one. I kind of like just because like the way it was structured and the right. way it played yeah. out. But I also like the digs because like being an influencer, right? So like yeah. they kind of take these like fairly subtle shots at like oh, yeah. Sure, yeah. real YouTubers oh, and sure, some yeah. of them not so fucking subtle. Like right. there's definitely a shot at like Jake Paul Fair in enough. that episode where I was Fair like, enough. oh yeah, good. Going after these guys. I like yes. it. Fuck and those guys, yeah. Surprisingly, the cast, man, like the, like, I don't know if you ever, I never watched it, but like, I know that's where he's from, but did you ever watch Glee? Oh, uh, no. Because Glee was Ryan Murphy. That was his show before he started yes. doing American Horror Story, right? Yes. But the kid in, he's in Glee and he's in a wheelchair. He's kind of oh, like a nerdy okay. kid with glasses. Yeah, yeah. I know so that kid, yeah. He's in this bro house episode. Okay. Okay. And, and the one dude, uh, I think the actor's name is Milton or Melton something. He's from Riverdale. He's the Asian oh. jock football player. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, he's in this episode, too. So it's kind of cool to see to see some, like, bigger... And, like, in the I guess in the Murder House one, like, you had Paris Jackson, right? So, like, yeah, you, you're seeing right, yeah. these, like, yeah. people come in, and you're like, oh, that's kind of cool just to... Yeah. And Danny Trejo was in the Bro House one. Let me guess you, Santa? Yeah. Yeah. So you, <laughs> like, you get these, like, these, like, bigger names yeah. kind of coming in for these one-off episodes, and I like that. It'd be yeah. really cool to... Cool. Because you wouldn't be able to get those big names for like a, a season commitment, right? Mm-hmm. But like, hey, well, come in for like a week of shooting. Sure. Random, random, interesting fact. Uh, Sarah Paulson, yeah. all of her roles, yeah. when they initially started doing American Horror Story, he yeah. wrote and had hoped that it would be Reese Witherspoon instead of Sarah Paulson. Huh. It was originally meant for her, but like she was busy doing all this other stuff. And then he kind of like got Sarah. He wanted to do something with Sarah Paulson. But that original character that Sarah Paulson played in the first one, he wanted Reese Witherspoon for that oh, role. Oh, man. I wish I didn't know that because as much as I love Sarah Paulson in that role, like I think she knocks it out of the park and kills it. 
but Reese Witherspoon would fucking knock that out of the park, I think. Mm -hmm. And also, the... Oh, man. The the husband-wife from the first murder house with... uh, Oh, yeah, yeah. Scott McDermott, has he? Yes, yeah. Yeah, so him and his wife, that role was originally actually written for Neil Patrick Harris and his husband. Oh, shit. And Neil Patrick Harris turned it down because this was off the heels of one of the Harold and Kumar movies, which also stars Neil Patrick Harris and his husband, and they play like a bickering couple in that Harold That's and right. Kumar. Yeah. And he said that he didn't want to do another role where it was just That's him right. and his real husband playing a TV husband that yes. fight and argue and don't love each other and stuff. So he's like, I don't, he's like, I just did that in Harold and Kumar. I right. don't want to do it again right. in the show. So he passed on the role, but it was actually <clears throat> supposed to be MPH in that first one. Huh. Mm-hmm. That would have been, that would have been a, that would have been a totally different first season, I think. Yep. Yeah. Huh. I wonder what other, like, fucking roles he's written for people because like there's there's a looper it's like it's a looper video and it came out within the last year it's like 24 minutes long on youtube on the looper channel and it's like interesting stuff about american horror story and there's lots of different like this was originally planned for this person and this person was supposed to be in it and this person wasn't he had hoped this so like if you're curious about any of that stuff go find that uh that youtube video that looper does i might look it up pretty interesting because it's always fascinating because like tons of uh, most hollywood writers like when they're writing characters a lot of them have people in mind for it right so it's Mm -hmm. like and when you can get those people like it obviously makes it better because it's like hey i was writing it because i know this person right yeah so it's huh interesting Mm -hmm. Hmm. yeah Yeah. i've been meaning to check out that that latest episode but i just haven't had a chance yet well get on it i will i will but yeah, so like so far, I'm I'm digging it. Like it's it's more American Horror Stories, and the fact that it ends, and then I think the week after is when the new season starts. Yeah, I think it's awesome. Although I just saw that fucking they had to stop shooting because they had a bunch of Corona cases. So yeah, I really hope that it doesn't get fucking delayed. Me too. So so yeah, I think it's solid. It's cool. It's a cool spinoff thing. Like mm-hmm. like to just. I wonder if this was like he had a bunch of stories that he wanted to do, but couldn't fit him into a whole season. Yeah. So he's just like, yeah. fuck it. I'm going to do this. And because I'm such a bankable name, they'll let me do it. Mm-hmm. Right. So, cause I mean, if Ryan Murphy comes to you with a show, you're probably going to make it. So, yeah. Yeah. And you've been up to date on big brother. No. So, okay. So this is another one I've watched the first, let me just pull up my Plex here. I want to say I've watched five. Okay, so you're three behind. Yes. So you haven't seen the last guy who got booted? No. And to be honest, I don't even remember who got booted. Frenchie. That's right. Yes. Would have been the last one that you saw. Yes. I am lukewarm on this season so far. Well, just wait till you watch these next three episodes. Okay, does it start getting... Because I was going to ask that, because I'm like at the point where I'm like... I'm yeah. at the point of whether I'm going to continue to watch or not. It's it's starting to get into okay. that like paranoia where like okay. you have these alliances that are like, yeah, we're in this together. And then like you see like one of them start to just get a little paranoid and kind of like, oh, I'm not sure about this guy. And it's like, hey, stop being stupid. This is your alliance. You need to stick together. Okay. And they're starting to like 
in There's fight and fracture. Okay. Okay. And you need to watch the last couple because I won't tell you who got fucking booted off the show. But was it a greasy like it wasn't a, no, it was the most obscene thing because he this person ends up like annoying everybody in the house and they all want this person out. Okay. And so they're like, okay. So they convince this person, like, hey, you're gonna be a pawn. Okay. And, and the person's like, I'm not pawn material. Like, obviously, I'm not pawn material. Like, I'm physically yeah. fit and I'm super fucking smart. Like, this isn't what's going on. So he's like super this like he's super fucking arrogant. And you're like, oh wow, like you he figured it out. But then in like this like incredible twist of events, he's so fucking stupid and naive. That he's like, oh, I'm actually like, I'm not going home. Like, <laughs> yeah, someone wants to target me, but only he wants to target me. Uh, he's like, I actually have this alliance and this alliance, and I know these people love me. So, like, I can't wait until eviction day because, like, the, the head I, I'm, household is going to be. Yeah, I'm solid. Gonna I'm be, not going He's going to be so upset when he sees that I'm actually not going home. Okay. And then, and then okay. he's like talking to these other alliance people and other people in the house. He's like, yeah. When those votes come in and I'm going to stay, he's like, I'm going to smile. And okay. he's like, then we'll all gang up on him. And he's just like in, he's like in okay. his own little fucking world. Okay. Man. I'm definitely going to keep watching because I love when people get arrogant on that show because it never works out for them. It's, it'll blow your mind how incredibly oblivious huh. this dude is. Like at one point, his own fucking, because you know how they're fractured into like mini yeah. groups, right? Yeah. Yeah. His own fucking team. He's sitting like, there talking outside. They're like, yeah, so once so-and-so's gone this week, then we can... And he walks by as this conversation's <laughs> happening. And it doesn't register in his head. And then okay. he sits down and he's like, yeah, so like we plotting for next week. Like after we get this person out, I think we should go after this person. All and right. you're like, All right. holy, like how did you... You're right. standing right there. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm back into Big Brother. This sounds like it's some real dumb shit. Okay. It's, it's miraculous, man. And then the worst part was is like gets voted out, sits down to do his interview with Julie Chen, and you could tell that, like, he was taken aback and kind of, like, floored, like, this wasn't how it was going to play out, but to, like... Everyone else? Yeah, Uh, but to not seem like an idiot, he sits down and starts talking to Julie, and he's like, yeah, I knew this was going to happen, and I kind of figured this, and you're like, no, you didn't. Like, we're all watching, like, the cameras and, like, the clips and stuff, like... You said on camera. fucking idea. Yeah, you said on camera you were were staying, so, okay. i'm happy that that's like that he so they do the veto competition okay he was so confident that he had the numbers to send this other person home and he knew knew that the other person was gonna go home no he lost it you'll have to watch that competition because like his performance is hilarious it's embarrassing at how bad he was at the veto competition okay but he actually goes to the other house guests and he's like hey I know I have the numbers to send this other person home. He's right. like, I need you guys all to like, you know, one by one, go talk to the head of household and convince him not to <laughs> use the power of veto so that I can send this other person out the door. Oh He's God. like, I don't want it used. I don't oh want God. the power of veto used because we got the numbers. So don't use it on me. Don't use it on them. He's like, right. I want it to, the nominations to stay the same so I can like, and then he's telling everyone, he's like, this is going to be the biggest upset in Big Brother history. Okay. No one's going to okay. see Like, it's, oh my, like, I can't even. Okay. I can't I'm back, even. I'm back on board because my favorite Big Brother moments is when, like, it, it's Big Brother. It's full of airhead idiots, right? It, there, it is every season. 
And it's always hilarious to see those people just be like, you yeah, man, I got this shit. And then like, just be completely oblivious to what's going on. Like, and I felt that way about Frenchie too, because like, I thought he was super overconfident in a lot of things too. Yeah. Well, his downside was definitely, he went around and made like 50 million promises that would <laughs> yeah. be statistically impossible to keep. And then would turn around and be like, I'm a man of my word. When I say something, yeah. I stick to it. And it's like, but just, you're not like you said, this yeah. guy was safe. You put him up. You said, don't worry. No, one, no females are getting, I'm not sending any girls home. And like, then he nominates a girl. And you're, yeah. and the, but my word is gold. If I tell you something, like I stand by my word, it's like, well, you told this guy he's not going. And you told these girls, yeah. none of them are fucking going. And you, you nominated both of them. And then he just yeah. started spiraling. He was, he was completely oblivious. Like it was like, clued me into like how oblivious he was when he was like yeah i'm gonna start an all-girl alliance that i'm gonna be the head of and it's i'm looking at this and i'm just like facepalm like dude that like that that's not gonna work like it's just like what are you doing man like so okay all right i'll catch up i'll keep going yeah it was yeah but even if you like if you think frenchie's oblivion obliviousness was nuts like wait till you see this next guy because the whole time you're going to watch this, you're going to be like, holy fuck. Like, all right. All right. This I'm guy back is in. next level fucking stupid. Okay. I'm back in. All right. Anyway, that's my big brother rant for the week. Fair enough. I'll catch up now. But yeah. Other than that, that's really all I got. Yeah. I don't know. Is there anything coming out that's. Oh, you know what comes out next week? That fucking mm-hmm. UFO. Uh... Yeah. I'm excited for that. That showtime with. Uh... You watched the trailer for that, right? Oh, yeah. That actually, I watched some footage in there and was like, oh, okay. That looks, that looks pretty fucking real. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, I'm really hyped on that one. Yeah. I don't think there's anything else coming out that's worth mentioning. There's a movie up. that comes out next week that I'm kind of excited for, but I don't remember which one. Is it Suicide Squad? Yes. Yeah, because that's... Is that next week? Yeah, it is. I, I, I think it's, it's yeah, I think it's Friday. And then the week after that is uh uh Free Guy. Yeah, and I'm really hyped on that one too. Yeah, Free Guy seems like a good time. It seems like just a, a kind of good all around Ryan Reynolds kind of laugh action movie. Yeah. So Yeah. Well that's all I got. Yeah, me too. And uh as always, if you have a question or thoughts or anything like that. Hit us up at tuningthroughthestatic.gmail.com. All right, catch you on the next one. Well, later.